0: If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters, spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More where we strive to discover more through intentional dialogues. My name is
1: Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast will serve as a space to exchange ideas from the collective experience.
0: Thanks everyone for tuning in for part two with our guest, Fam. Please enjoy. And I think a lot of times that the society and people forget that micro failures lead to macro success. And I think your micro failures generate this winning mindset right Mm -hmm. because I like to say the world only has two type of people winners and losers and winners all have the winning mentality is you're not afraid of failures you almost embrace it and losers they just dwell and they just they're stuck and you know it's it's a losing mentality they lose in life but also it sounds like that I feel like you have this innate ability almost like a superpower where it's really, really quiet in your head. That's why I think that's enabling you to view success and failures the same way. Once your headspace is so quiet, it's just you, right? It's you mm-hmm. and yourself. There's no noises, there's no external influences. Like you're doing you. And do you feel like, because everything is about nature and nurture, yeah. and nature is a given DNA, nurtures the environment, experiences, you know, micro failures, successes. Do you think your ability to block out noises and being real, real quiet in your head? You think that's your DNA or do you think just.?
2: That was really a product of nurture for, in my case. Um, it wasn't until I think more so when I was 27, 28, very recently actually, that once I got into the topic of brain science and kind of understanding how the mind works was then when I was able to kind of control and master it a lot more. I wish they kind of teach you this in school a little bit, but you know, so some of the mentees that I help out, they, they always want to learn about the strategy and what to do and if I do this I'll be super rich and wealthy and have the lifestyle I've always wanted but I tell them look look you're, you're not going to be able to just do the strategy for part of it you need to focus on the psychology and, and, and the 18-year-old kid's like, well, why do I need to if, if, if doing A, B, and C is going to lead me to riches? I said, okay, well, go ahead. You go do it, and I guarantee you by year one or year two, you're going to break down and cry from probably quit because you think something is too hard or you can't handle it. Because the way that I look at it is just simply programming. And, you know, anybody can watch anything senseless on TV, whether it's the, you know, the news uh, where it's just constant negativity, you know, shooting, murders, fights, whatever it is. But... If you feed yourself with positive information, I, I think you can do wonders for yourself, especially if you're doing it every single day. It's like uh, pouring cement into a batter and expecting perfect cake to come out. It's not gonna happen. So if you put negativity in, positivity is not gonna come out. So every single morning I inject myself with literally just like five to 10 minutes of listening to something positive, just between the time that I'm like brushing my teeth and putting my clothes on, I take those times seriously, and I don't think I've ever shared that with anybody. That those are little small things that I kind of do for myself every single morning, practice. To, to to really kind of get myself up and going. Um, I don't think even my mom or girlfriend even knows that because they're just going to come weird or crazy. So, mm-hmm. um, but I take those seriously. It's, it's it's because every morning in the mind is just more plastic. You know, you ever kind of wondering why like this song won't get out of your head? It's because you know early in the morning when you were stuck in traffic and you were listening to that. Lady Gaga song and you're probably like damn I can't get her out of my mind it's because you're um, it, your brain is just more, much more plastic at times absorbing everything a lot more and it's remembering things at a much stronger rate so uh, knowing that because I understand the brain science behind it uh, I mean I'm not a doctor or anything when it comes to this stuff but at least just having a general understanding now that I've underst- now that I understand that I now know to put positive things in front of me every morning and it's, it's doing wonders for me And it's only five, 10 minutes. Um, But even during the day, I still kind of focus on that. Whether it's an hour of like mindless tasks that I'm doing at my desk or whatever the case may be, I still just put on things. Even if I've heard it before, it's it's just running in the background. It's better than, I mean, music's nice to listen to. If you wanna listen to music, it's fine. But for me, I just prefer to have things that I know will upgrade myself because in the long run, over, you know, uh, because all I'm doing is simply having a small win, right? An hour of listing of positive stuff that's gonna help shape myself down the road from from, from that point in time. So, you know, um, small wins every single day.
0: It's awesome that you brought that up because what I was thinking is, so you have this superpower of blocking out noises, and we look at your sports betting career, your real estate investment career, and now as an entrepreneur, and you're living out the full American dream, right? You've achieved that. And I think, of course, there's a lot of different like practices and like characteristics of like calculated risk taking because you're not just recklessly taking a risk like, you're, you're taking all these calculated risks based on your, you know, private sector experiences. And, but at the same token, I think people underestimate the profound power of small habits as you do the five to 10 minutes of daily grat- gratitude practice, right? Mm-hmm. By inducing yourself with positivity, which creates that positive mindset. Like myself every morning when i wake up the first thing i do is i make my bed right i learned that from the uh, navy seal A- admiral yep. uh, about the, the power of making your bed right and because basically the whole nature is this and i tell people all the time the moment when you wake up you make your bed that's already one productive thing you've accomplished and that instantly puts your mind into productive mindset for the rest of the day and if you go work out in the morning or if you do whatever, that's three, four things you've already accomplished by the time most people are waking up. And it's inevitable that your mind's gonna be productive because your your motor's already running, right? And with you is the positive mindset. And on Aiden, he meditates every morning for 10 to 15 minutes, which creates that in tune with himself. So I feel like people really underestimate all these small habits that has huge profound effects in a macro level. So obviously a lot of elements and experiences in life that attributed to your success, sorry. But if you were to consolidate your experiences holistically, what would you say like a few things that really, really, really contributed crucially to you as a person, now as an entrepreneur, and you know, that enabled you, I guess, ultimately achieve that American
2: dream? My biggest advice would be that uh, the outer world is shaped by the inner world. So therefore be open-minded. Um, anything that you have in your thoughts you can absolutely manifest into reality you know whoever is listening to this if you look at everything around you whether it's the black table that's in your living room the plush white soft couch in your bedroom whatever it is somebody have thought of that first before it actually became to reality so if somebody can think of it it can absolutely come to reality and come to fruition so in my case, you know, my vision back in 2016 was five properties in five years. I'm now at five in three years and I ex- have actually surpassed that. So, you know, even when I'm at the gym and I'm listening to these motivational, inspirational things, I'm actually kind of reconjuring up all of these emotions as if I've already gotten there. I've experienced those emotions, brought them back to reality. and got myself super fired and pumped up that now I know where I'm going. And you know a more important thing to I think kind of take away from this is to know that you're gonna get there. you don't have to necessarily know how to get there because for as long as you have that pull being so strong, you're gonna put yourself in the position to then afford yourself to get to that end goal so at the end of the day, know that you're going to get there. Don't necessarily worry about how you're going to get there, because back in August 2016, I didn't necessarily know how I was going to f- acquire five rental properties. I just said I better be adamant and know that I'm going to get there. And that was a decision that I made that was just undying and relentless. I, I, I nothing was going to stop me.
1: What do you think is the key from making something a thought into making something a reality?
2: I would say action. Uh, a lot of people get caught up in the paralysis by analysis phase. That uh, I think, again, you know, I. I don't want to keep blaming the school system, but I think with the way that how the school system had at least molded me was well. Before I go do this, I get I better go analyze it like crazy. So I, I think people get end up caught up doing that a lot, and and that's what I was a victim of that even myself in my first year of real estate investing. So I, I found myself doing all these what if scenarios, all using all of these crazy real estate performance metrics. But then I finally got to the point where I understood what was important to me. And it was just simply like, you know, money coming in, money coming out. Like all of these metrics, these clutter in between didn't really make sense or necessarily didn't matter. And, and, and I try to, t- try to look at it at a more high level perspective, even when I work in a corporate environment. And, you know, at month end close, if there's an accountant out there that's listening, they're probably more familiar with it. All the t- top level executives just want to know what's the bottom line impact. All it essentially means is what is this dollar loss profit impact during the course of the month. And in my case, I said, "Hey, well, you know what? That matters to me too. It doesn't matter what's happening on my balance sheet, my assets, my liabilities. What am I making more money than what's going out?" So.
1: That's a really interesting point to make out because I think a lot of people in real estate are constantly looking at what their house is worth, what their equity is, what the market value is. Just looking around, and I mean, a lot of people are hesitant to real estate. I think because there's so much uncertainty about, you know, if the real estate market would crash, if values of properties will drop. But for you, that doesn't matter. That's just external noise, right? Because as long as you have your cash coming in and not a lot of cash going out, the bottom line is not changing, right?
2: Right. Unless my insurance changes or property taxes increases, but those are going to be... Or you die, then. Yeah, (laughs) but they're very small, so... Um, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, you just even reflect on my first purchase investment property. It, it wasn't easy. Uh, it was like, what, maybe $30,000, 39000 check that I had to drop. And, you know, one day or on a day of settlement, I, you know, I felt reluctant felt like this, this feeling coming in like, man, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right move? And, you know, I sort of felt hesitant to kind of drop the check on the table. And I kind of thought to myself, well, if I don't do this, everything will be just about the same. I'm going to return to work next Monday. Repeat the same shit, you know. Go to work, make some money, go home, pay the bills, maybe work out, and hang out with some friends. That was it. Or if I did do it, something better might just happen. And man, you know, three years later, I'm on the verge of retiring my job and you know have officially replaced my uh, after-tax work income with the residual income that I'm now making from just only four. Uh, income generating properties with the fifth one on the way that's going to push it up even higher so now that the way that i looked at it is it, it's it's really just a matter of time i've already made a decision it's it's a matter of time i'm not there's no you know licking my finger putting in the air and guessing hoping and wishing because i think a lot of people end up having that mindset they, 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 they think it's this element of uncertainty but the way that i see it it's not yes there is uncertainty in everything but this also you know life is all about taking risks and, 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 and having the experiences and, and creating the journey on the on the way. And, and what I've come to learn is to appreciate the journey because, you know, once I finally got to the end, so for instance, um, it depends on uh, on the micro or macro level, they look at it, but, but on this particular level, from, from acquiring a property to fixing it up to then leasing it out and getting the lease contract signed, that's the journey in itself. And once I got to the end, I was like, all right, well, I did it. What now? And it just didn't feel, like once I stopped, it's like, I gotta do this again. It was more like, is that all there is? Well, the thrill was so much better when I was in the struggle, in the journey. So, you know, I think even Gary Vee points it out uh, in one of his videos is that I appreciate the journey. And, and, and as I did that after the second purchase and I acquired the third, I said, I'm gonna appreciate this journey now. And now that I've learned to savor it, you know, it, it's become more fun, it's become less stressful. So now it's just a matter of perspective and how you're looking at challenges. And because the perspective has changed, man, you you could just become so unstoppable when you stop looking at challenges as like these burdens, these difficulties, but rather as a means to get you to become better in life, to to give you an opportunity to make an effect change in the world and in the environment.
0: It is a little bit cliche, but I I want to really, really highlight the power of do, the ability to do. And I like to tell uh, a funny story that I, it's like a, cartoon that I saw like years ago. It was about this guy, he was drowning, I think. And there was like a flood and he was praying to God. He's like, God, help me, help me, help me. And he ended up dying. He saw God and he was like, why don't you help me God? And God said, I helped you many times, but you didn't take the actions. And how God helped him was when he was drowning, a lifeboat came by or someone else came by, or a helicopter came by. But the guy who was drowning, he didn't take those because, oh, it wasn't safe. I didn't want to get on this lifeboat. I didn't want to get on that ladder. So due to his inability to act, he ended up drowning in that cartoon. I feel like a lot of times in everyone, there is multiple point of no return, which for you was spending that $5,000 on that mold even before you acquired the housing. Mm -hmm. You create this self-imposed point of no return that now you have to act on it. And you ended up owning that purchase, right? I feel like that your whole life is about just just doing and making it happen.
2: Yeah, um, you know, putting yourself yourself in a position where your backs up against the wall and you and you burn your boats and you can't leave the island. It's it's really gonna, I think, drive people to get through all of the struggles and success because at that point, I mean, you're not gonna complain at that point. You know, imagine you're dropped in the jungle and your whole Point was to get through that jungle, but because you got to get through that jungle, there's going to be all these um, snakes and animals that might hurt and harm you and big thorny trees, whatever uh, it is, um, if there's bushes in the jungle. (laughs) But um, if you don't get through that jungle to try to get yourself onto the other side for the safe haven, you've already succumbed to self-defeat. You've guaranteed yourself to lose by staying still in life. In this case, physically, because you didn't decide to go through the jungle. But if you did go through that jungle, yes, you're going to hurt yourself. Yes, you're going to probably bleed. You might cry. Um, But it is these experiences that allows you to grow and allows you to become better. And at least by taking the risk, there's a possibility of things becoming better. And so, you know, to reflect on my real estate career, you know, I'm I'm actually really very glad I've never... You know, punked out. I, I took that risk, uh, despite all the external noise of what people were saying, giving me the side eye about how oh, all it is is residual income. On, and I'm thinking, well, that's all I need. Um, <laughs> so, you know, despite all that, I still kind of kept through with it. Um, they, they didn't listen to any of the outside noise.
0: So I like to share like a true story. So I read a book called Deep Survival and examines like survivability and like how come in some incidents some people survive and some people perish. And so, I think this was like decades ago, there was an airplane, it, it got crashed in the Amazon uh, on flying to Vietnam, I think. This 17-year-old girl was the sole survivor in the whole plane, because what happened was the plane crashed, and then there was about like eight people who survived the crash. Out of those eight people also, she was the only person who decided to c- take her survivability into her hands, and so she uh, ventured on this journey and tried to to go to the water trying to get help while everyone else stayed in the crash site trying to uh, wait for the rescue teams the thing is because it was in jungle the helicopters and pararescuers couldn't see them so those uh, seven people who stayed ended up eating each other and they all ended up dying and the girl who decided to act on it she survived and sometimes like i think the ability to act it could literally be life and death and the only reason she survived while being inexperienced no saturation and no experience with jungle exploring, and she didn't go survive at school. She's, she's in high school. But the only one variable that made her survive and alive until this day, because she decided to literally take that step and find her way out versus waiting for paraskewers.
1: I think that example, as well as the jungle example you mentioned, kind of comes full circle with the whole, the way our education system is founded, because that's all education through knowledge, right? Reading books taking tests whereas it seems like most of the lessons that you've learned are is from knowledge through experience right that girl she was saved through experience by taking action so in the example of say you're dropped off in a jungle right no matter how many maps or books that you read about jungle exploration yeah they help but the whole journey starts when you start walking into that jungle no matter how much you prepare no matter how much knowledge you consume the only real way to find out the actual lessons and do the actual thing is to take that step forward and actually experience what the jungle is you know so is that kind of the approach that you've taken in real estate or in everything like it's taking the steps forward rather than as you said what analysis by paralysis
2: yeah uh it's just taking the step forward taking the action taking the initiative i mean physically it's not hard it's you know am i making the phone calls am i Sending the email. Am I setting this up? Am I coordinating? Just taking a step step back at what I'm doing. I'm I'm, I'm realizing that it's just really a, a huge massive orchestration job. I'm getting people together. I'm getting real estate agents together. I'm getting contracts together. Appraisers, inspectors, uh, title insurance companies, uh, mortgage lenders, and whatnot. It's it, it's it's a big party.
1: But you're keeping the ball rolling, right? The small wins keep the ball rolling, build momentum, and I guess. Where is that momentum bringing you?
2: In order to uh, receive, you've, you've got to give. And it's probably a very cliche-ish thing. And I guess it stems from the Bible, but you know, I'm a, I'm a believer of it. In order to receive, you've got to give. Um, and uh, I'll draw this one little uh, story in which um, there was this old lady uh, that one of my friends kind of um, pushed my way t- because I told him I needed to find a, uh, a one-bedroom tenant. And so I talked to her and I realized she's very needy. She's kind of helpless with like bad knees. So um, I thought to myself, you know what? In order to receive, you got to give. And I think all too many times people are operating out the mindset of scarcity. And they operate from a sense of lack. And because they operate from a a sense of lack, that's really where their focus is, which is the lack. And because they focus on that, that's what they bring and manifest to their reality. But instead, uh, shift your focus away from that. And in my case, this lady i decided to give more for her so i said all right let me go pay 300 bucks for to get this house this bedroom painted uh paid like 20 bucks for a rug not much and then i also paid like another 200 bucks uh, for my friend's labor and his truck and also like a weekend of my time to move all of her stuff from the storage room and her grandma's house back to this uh her, to her new unit and so you know in the grand scheme of the things i probably spent like 600 bucks and about two days of my physical labor and that's my giving part but in essence, what she really represents was roughly a $7,000 per year of residual income. <laughs> so in order to give, you've got to receive. So if you think of an investment, that's exactly what it is.
0: So we've been focused on a macro aspect of your life. But because I think you do bring so much invaluable insights, because you learn all of these experiences aren't from just reading and self-discovery or self-education, but you truly acquire these knowledge just by doing, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the most valuable lessons there are. So what are some tips that you could have for people who are interested in real estate investing and for people who want to dabble in sports gambling? Because like all three of us are not driven by money, Mm -hmm. but we cannot undermine power of money, right? So for people who would love to dabble in these, I guess, fields that you are quite
2: expert in now, what are some tips? I think it's very simple. Whether it's real estate investing or sports, immersion is key. Get yourself deep, muddy, and dirty into the details. I realized that's how I was able to be successful in sports gambling. I got really into the details. I started looking at probabilities. I started looking at historical events, the whole nine yards. I have spreadsheets of things that I do that I've analyzed to then decide, all right, these are the bets that I'm going to take. And then I realized, well, shit, I'm getting pretty good at this. I think if I do apply this mindset to anything else, I could be absolutely pretty good at it. So that's when, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when the, the first day of real estate learning, I just went on Google and just learned whatever I could because I was always just getting frozen up about like, well, what do I need to know first or what do I need to know next? But I was like, screw it on because there's just too much to learn. Let me just take whatever I that I can get in and put it into me right now. So immersion is key. Get into the full details, prep Exactly. And and, and and for anybody who's listening to that, they might think like, well, what do you mean by that? And, and what that simply means is you got to put in the work. As I mentioned earlier, in order for things to change, you've got to change. So if you're changing yourself, what you're doing is you're upgrading yourself with valuable information, positive inf- information that you can then turn into action and then change and manifest into reality. So there's an element of work too that I don't just mean like, you know, toss yourself on a couch full of real estate papers or gambling stuff, but to really stay in tune with the technical information and to see it from your own perspective. Everybody's gonna see things very differently, but that's the key. Get buried in the details and learn as much as you can. Don't get too caught up into taking a school approach mentality into learning. The whole key is to learn as much as you can. And I think another step that I do is whatever that I learn I also have like you know close friends that I can talk to who don't mind listening to me just rambling but then to kind of regurgitate it back out there into the world to because you know I'm a believer that in order to truly learn something you must have the ability to teach it so I kind of spit game whatever back that I have that I learned from the night before to somebody else
0: so there's a lot of nuances involved what are some like tangible skills or tips that you may you may have
2: so at least when in the real estate, it was, you know, five in five years, I was gonna have five properties and I was gonna have a five thousand dollars of monthly residual income. So you have a long term goal, but then once you have that long term goal, break them down into much smaller mini goals. So then I said, Okay, well, this is a five year plan. In order to get to this five year plan, I need to start breaking this these down to annual goals. So simply in one year I just had to buy one property and for as long as I can successfully you know, spend maybe a month going out there looking for a building and then putting in an offer, spending the next month closing the deal and then spending the next month um, renting it back out. Probably a total of three months. So I'm, I'm working really hard for three months to get this going.
1: What about, because obviously with real estate, the way you were able to buy your first property and scale saving money must have been a huge thing for you. That's personally something that I struggle with as I know a lot of people our age do, right? There's stuff going on that might be fun or like regardless of what comes in, money some, like almost always has to go out. What are some of your tips or strategies towards saving money?
2: Know that saving money is a choice. Um, it's not something that by the end of the month, oh shit, I got 500 bucks in my pocket. No, it's not that, I, I, don't, I, I really get confused as to uh, why people kind of come up with that excuse but you know it, it, as long as you can just simply see beforehand all the money that's going out like what are your current debts like you know you're going to make those payments everything else is just a matter of a choice like you know when it comes out to going out to eat or whatever that's all simply a matter of choice so and also to have to shift your mindset into that too i know it's easier said than done i could tell a lot of people that but it just won't jive with them so part of it is also kind of creating that practice too and I don't know. Maybe for me, uh, it was probably just buying like dollar sixty nine soups every single day from lunch, and just kind of like learning to live below my means. Like I didn't really need much, and as I, like, I kind of sometimes the soups are pretty shitty every day. But but I think like doing these type of things, these little small things that I think it just gets really overlooked. Somebody might just kind of look at me like two years being a cheap ass. But for me, the way I look at it, it's like you know I'm conserving money, but at the same time also portioning food well that I'm not overeating because I do kind of eat like shit at night. So I kind of don't want to eat a lot during the day especially it gets me tired so there's a lot of little small things that i do to kind of help me build these mindsets but it has to be done in continuation but then also be done consistently and then maintained throughout its entirety otherwise it becomes very pointless anybody can go to the gym for a month and then just say all right screw it i'm done and then that's it um but for me you know i probably have been kind of doing that practice for at least the past few years even like the other little small morning tips of just like five ten minutes of positive information
0: that's great because I think with the facade of social media and this persona that everyone is so thirsty and hungry to like put out there to show the glamour of their life, right? So I feel like a lot of people our age or the next generation or just like society, they're definitely living way above their means because with credit card, you can spend more than what you have. That's the whole that's the whole reason why the bubble burst in 09 because people spent what they didn't have. However, what you did is you lived below your means by being frugal, by being intentional, by being strategic, and if you look at a lot of success stories like Gary Vee, you know he turned his dad's wine business from four million a year to sixty million. And when he was making like he sacrificed his whole twenties, and when he was making sixty k at the liquor store that his dad owns, he lived like he made he was making thirty five thousand dollars, and which is what a lot of money he made saved, and he eventually turned those into like mega million and know immense amount of like investments but because the fact that he lives below he means the fact that you lives below your means you're able to really really optimally allocate your resources and time and money
2: yeah and i think as part of my journey i think there were things along the way that gave me a lot of perspective as well and to, you know to describe the word perspective to even break it down further for anybody else that's listening is that pretend that there's this video camera that's like hovering over the left hand or right hand corner of your head and then you're looking out of that lens and seeing how you're behaving to kind of get that perspective so even having gone through like before i bought, bought my first rental property i probably visited about 30 to 40 properties and still i was going through the paralysis phase i was i was froze up i just kept looking at one property after another but anyways as i'm going through these inner city properties especially properties that were tenant occupied and seeing how that they lived it made me that much more grateful to realize the little things that i have that, you know, don't take for granted the little, you know, nice air conditioned house with central air that I have. Other people don't even have a window air conditioner and the house that they're living in is in filth. So it, it, got, it gave me a better sense of gratitude and perspective because of just seeing my life juxtaposed and relative to other people's lives. And to live off a $1.69 suit, man, I was like happy with that. So, you know, I didn't need anything else. And having learned over the years, listening to these uh, motivational, inspirational speakers, one innate ability that they mentioned that multimillionaires, wealthy people are able to do is that they're able to defer gratification. And all that simply means is that I'm giving up the good today in exchange for a better tomorrow. So for instance, if I'm making uh, $5,000 per month of residual income, yes, I could probably blow it up at the strip club or, or uh, buy a bunch of Jordans or whatever the case, or uh, you Why know, our girlfriend a fat diamond ring, <laughs> <laughs> um, or that too. So, uh, but instead, I'm gonna live below my means and I'm gonna take that money and I'm gonna reinvest it. And in an exchange, guess what? Now I'm gonna have six thousand dollars per month of residual income. And now, because I've deferred gratification, or in other words, given up the good today in exchange for the better tomorrow. I'm getting a dollar. I'm getting $1,000 pay increase per month because I decided to give up the good for today.
0: Yeah, I think that deferring gratification is huge because like with information being so ubiquitous with entertainment at our fingertips, it is so hard to resist that instant gratification. Like it is really, really hard. So the fact that you are able to, even unknowingly deferring your gratification, because of course you're learning about the concept through your podcasting, through your listening to motivated speakers, I feel like there's somewhere deep inside you, always knew that, and that's why you did it even without knowing so. And of course, now you learn what, what's that called, and we're learning about now. But yeah, no, I feel like that, that's a very powerful skill to have is to, you know, it's like the marshmallow test, right, you know the famous marshmallow test where you have little kids, oh, it's yeah. an experiment, and then you put a marshmallow there, and you tell the kids, if, and these are like four, five, six-year-olds with like zero self-control, and uh, basically, the experiment says that so the kids who are able to resist that instant gratification of eating the marshmallow, the experiment tells the kids, if you are able to resist this, in 30 minutes, I'll come and give you two marshmallows, right? And they did these control studies and they follow these kids and their projector of life. And the kids who are able to resist that, the instant gratification, and were able to defer their gratification. They were able; to, they were rewarded by two marshmallows versus one. Those kids, they achieve a lot more. Of course, success I think is very subjective to you, but in the objective societal standards, those kids who were able to defer gratification, they turn out to be a lot more successful versus the kids who gave in and ate the marshmallow. And you know, it was a pretty powerful experiment, and I think it, it speaks a lot of volumes to that extent. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree. And I think uh, this is the reason why I stay off social media. And I think sometimes what social media is kind of fake people out to thinking like, man, like their lives are so great so quickly, but they're probably not realizing Well, they're probably financing their entire lives from credit card debt. So don't feel the need to try to keep up with the Joneses. And I think uh, people kind of f- succumb to that type of pressure too, all too often that they feel this need to then kind of keep up that they end up kind of digging themselves into a financial hole. So, um, and they're just like, you know, the, the thousands of dollars in debt. So I think part of my ability to kind of stay tunnel vision and focus was to just kind of stay off social media and not look at how other people are living. So that, that gave me much more clarity of mind to now be able to shift my conscious efforts to what I need to do rather than focusing on the lives of other people.
0: Yeah. You're truly like streamlining your effort, like very optimally. Yeah especially with like defaking, which is something that I would love to talk about sometime. but especially with defaking that's happening. And the thing is it's such a vicious cycle because people put up a facade of they owning a very nice car, a big house. So now they're stuck in a job they freaking hate to support the facade they first put up for the people they don't really care about. And it, probably for the people that person hates, like for his like five people or 10 people, for his friends or his high school or whatever. So it's like you're you're, you're stuck. And putting a lot more effort and money and resources into the facade that you created to begin with and now it's just a cycle of endless cycle and right. i feel like we're able to you know avoid that by streamlining your effort into like just internally and like i said you're blocking out this superpower that you have is about blocking out the noises and keeping your headspace real quiet
2: and here's the tragedy people are buying things that they don't need with money that they don't have to impress people that they don't like no. <laughs> so to keep that in mind, you know, I'm gonna say it again, you're buying things that you don't need with money, you don't have to impress people that you don't like. That's the tragedy. I think people are just doing that way too often. And I think that's probably why my circle is so small. I don't have this pressure or need to impress. And even my friends, I honestly don't care to impress them, you know, with what I'm wearing or what I'm driving or any of that. My more concern is just trying to find uh, genuineness in people.
0: And what I realize more and more is like, people really don't give a fuck, right? And like, you know, it's it's, it's an adolescent. So when you're an adolescent, you go through a phase of like high school usually middle school or high school you think everyone is judging you that's why people spend hours of their off for the day cuz you really think it's like an analogy of when you're a child when you're adolescent younger adolescent you're on a floor sitting right there is a sand mountain in front of you all you see is the mountain of sand that you see but your lenses and your perspective is so limited because of your so adolescent developing stage and your mentally you're literally still developing. Your brain is still developing, so that's all you see. However, you see an adult at the other side of the mountain of sand, and the adult sees the whole picture, right? So I think that's why perspective is important, and why it's important to realize that like people don't care what you look like. People don't care what you wear. People don't care how how much drip that you have, because like honestly, like ask yourself how many interactions you remember from yesterday. Like, do you remember seeing? The pedestrians that you saw driving by, even from two hours ago, I don't remember what they looked like. The cafe where we were just sat, the cashier or the waitress, I I forgot what she I forgot what she looked like. I forgot what she was wearing. And so you're like, once you are able to truly become aware and you know, hyper aware of the fact that when people just don't care, so once you get that noise, then you can effectively, you know, seclude and just eradicate all the noises. Once you realize people don't care. I think it's very liberating.
1: I think it comes as you get older too, right? Because when you're younger, you get stressed in like details. But to your point, as you're zooming out and seeing larger and larger, call it, you can't see the small pieces of sand, right? Like you're seeing the larger landscape, the nitty gritty of it doesn't actually work. You know, I mean, just almost what you said with your real estate thing is you took the same approach as you're getting more and more experience. You're taking like a strategic company level right rather than stressing the nitty-gritty of oh what if this house does this or this so it's taking that kind of like holistic like strategic view of a lot of things that i think i think everyone can work on at all times yeah. and also a lot of
0: off ten, just a funny story so i strive to be like you know sometimes a lot of uh, gyms have actually all gyms have changing rooms and fitness room like and there's showers and stuff i remember it's this was a while back, I remember seeing this very, very old guy, butt-ass naked, just complete, with his balls hanging, like, he was like, I think scratching his balls, like, he, he was definitely in his 70s, the- zero fucks given, <laughs> there was like, it's a full yeah. packed, it's it's a full room, right, and I was like, man, I don't want to be that ballsy, pun intended, <laughs> but like, when you get so old, you generally don't, you care, you care less and less about what people think, and it's liberating, like, I want to be able to be so comfortable in my body, image, just, have my balls hanging in front of, all these dudes right (laughs) like but that's that says a lot because when you block out the noises when you realize people don't care it's you can do so much more i feel a lot of obstacles and uh, confinement are self-inflicted it's all in your head you know that's why i think that's why i'm getting more into like meditation i'm really trying to truly get in tune with myself and like get to
2: the deeper surface yeah and to harp back on what i mentioned earlier i mean again um the outer world's based on the inner world and how you kind of see things is what's going to shape your outer world. So if you start giving a shit about what other people are thinking about you, then again, it just gives you that much more clarity of mind to be able to focus your conscious efforts towards what you need to do in order to manifest the vision of your reality. So clarity of mind's key. Keep negativity out. And, you know, meditating, which is something I started kind of doing recently. If I told myself this uh, three years ago, I would be like, dude, get out of here. You're crazy. You're weird. Don't tell me to meditate because you know i used to think meditating was not cool or not that it's not cool but it's just you know i don't think that's something i was kind of taught or in like school. voodoo stuff yeah it's always kind of associated with that kind of that, that stuff so but you know I, I did it for like a 20 minute session for the first time well not the first time i've done it a handful of times in the past but this was the first time i'm kind of like legit trying to take a proactive approach towards truly meditating and i kid you not after 20 minutes like you know opening my eyes and after deep, relaxed breathings of controlled breathing, I could feel my body really getting lighter, and uh, my mind was just a lot more clear, and and I just felt much more calm. That um, whatever I need to focus my attention on, like I could go 150% at it. So you know you can't go 150% of it if if 40, 50% of you is being dragged by these relationship issues and the others. Forty percent is being dragged by some sort of uh, work issues that your managers handling you about. So if you could kind of block out all, all that noise and just put one hundred or, or even two hundred percent effort into what you need to do, man, it's uh, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for that because I think the stigma behind meditation is lifting a lot. Like I know, even five years ago, but say fifteen years ago, the only people that were meditating were going to religious or cultural centers to meditate or hippies going to burning Man and things you know there was just a lot of stigma attached to what meditation means but i think that the more and more celebrities entrepreneurs are just vouching for the profound benefits of it it's becoming more and more more widespread i mean personally i've been meditating since january of 2019 so i'd say 95% of every morning it's like a non-negotiable similar to how I can't get out of bed before I say five gratitudes. Once I do that, I make my bed and then I meditate for 15 minutes. That's like, no matter what, I mean, sometimes I'll, like if I wake up late, which happens maybe like once a week, I won't, I'll miss it. But that just completely throws off the rest of the day. Like I'll have steam coming out of my ears. If by three o'clock, if I don't have time to meditate to the extent, like sometimes I'll have to go sit in my car and just meditate from like, you know, five minutes, but that intentional time, to take to yourself allows you to perform so much better in every other like you can show up with more energy for the people around you, the projects you're working on and I think it's almost exciting to look around and see that knowledge coming into more and more people because it's going to do so many people so much benefit just with my experience in nine months of it has been completely profound so the more and more the people around you start meditating because it's a what culturally like what if everyone brushed their teeth and then meditated, that just became as culturally accepted that as brushing your teeth to meditate, I think this world would be remarkably more peaceful, remarkably more efficient, just across the board beneficial for everybody.
0: Yeah, I feel like almost like this materialistic, capitalistic society that we live in is creating this like gravitational force for people to look more inwardly because people have been so caught up with materialism, buying things, owning things, and once people achieve that like you have externally you're like wait a minute there has to be more so i think that's like prompting people to look for more mm-hmm. and then which is helping them to like look inwardly about let's let's focus on the inwards and internally you know because like you said you're what is it inside world affects the outside world yes but i do want to acknowledge that everything i believe everything and everyone has their own timeline the fact that three years ago you're you're in a place in time where you weren't ready to meditate right and now this thing. Like everything has its course and now it's time, the time is right and you've been experimenting with meditation same here, I've always been very open minded about meditation, but I didn't care enough where I was willing to read about it listen to podcasts about it, talk to people about it, or even talk about it and however I think by talking about these things, by shedding new light, not even new light, just shedding light onto these topics, is making you more aware and mindful which may potentially help you expedite your timeline Right, so I just went yeah. to because some people just aren't ready, and that's fine. It's like how relationships works, how life works. Sometimes you just gotta let things do its own course and follow its own timeline.
2: Yeah, you know, open mindedness is key, um, and, and that's what I think uh, allowed me to have the awareness to meditate. Like, one small little example of just being key to being open mindedness is, you know, for instance, I would do some YouTube video learnings of, you know, tax structures and LLCs from one investor. And then I would see it from another investor. I'm like, oh, no, I saw that already. I'm not going to watch that again because I already learned that. But then I was like, you know what? I'm at the gym. Let's go watch it. And when I watched it, I'm like, holy shit, this guy just said something. I mean, he spoke on the same topic, but he took things from a completely different angle and a perspective that the other investor that I watched didn't take into consideration. So then I realized, light bulb, be open-minded. Listen to everybody because, you know, for for as long as you – shut out information and and you just have this narrow, linear way of thinking, uh, I think you've already lost. Um, those are the people that stops growing. But for as long as you're open-minded, you're going to just continually grow. And, and just that's, that's just one prime example. Because once I saw that this person looked at it from a different perspective, I said, this is a prime example of why I should not be closed-minded. Because I just learned something so useful that I'm going to take with me and to carry into practicality in the real estate world that's going to benefit me so that's just a lesson going forward about being open-minded also another thing what i learned is that progress equals happiness so mm-hmm. like i think having the birth of my daughter was kind of like that igniter it kind of kind of get me going for like the next few years but then after that I, part of my discovery self-discovery was well, how like how am I, why am I still so happy or how am i still able to maintain my happiness and it's just simply the progression of the things that i'm putting into reality like to really Say, you know what? That building down the street that I have nothing to do with, I could take that building, buy it, fix it up, and then rent it out, and have a family in there that's probably going to become future doctors, firefighters, and whatnot, mm-hmm. and be the reason why that is the case. And there's always like journeys within journeys. So like yeah, even exactly. on a building in itself, it's like, well, that's just one part of the picture. Now it's like, um, that's just one building. But to take a step back and look at it, the more macro journey could be getting from zero to 20 properties. But then that, that's just even a journey in itself, because now I've already looked ahead and I'm like... Well, I wanna buy this million dollar building in Center City, Well, how do I get that? Well, it requires a 25% down payment because commercial lenders are doing 75% LTV ratios, which really means you have to put up 25% of a million. So if I need a quarter million dollars to make as a down payment, well, if I had 20 properties making $20,000 a month, 20,000 times 12 is 240,000 a year. Okay, so wait another month to buy the 13th month, I'll have more than enough. So then there goes my down payment. Or I could take a different approach where I buy a building for $100,000, put $50,000 into it, sell it for two fifty. dollars Section 1031 exchange, like we mentioned earlier, so you can defer the taxes. As a result of selling the building, instead of taking the proceeds, I then redirect that $250,000 as a down payment towards the million dollar building that I have in mind to buy So there's always journeys within journeys within journeys. So it just becomes bigger and big because I was like, okay, we'll just get this one building. Now it's like, all right, well let's get to five. All right, well let's get to twenty. And then I know when I get to twenty, it's like, all right, well let's get this million dollar building. And I've been made aware of this like before, just from listening. It's like there's always levels to there's always higher levels to higher levels to higher levels. Like people don't realize that you can make this type of money. Like this is like fuck you money. And then. uh, the way that they describe it's like literally looking like you know reaching uh, you know looking over the other side of the bushes and r- realizing that people are living this l- life of paradise and to say like hey let me let me get over on that side and, and live that life but in order to live that life there are things that you have to do but what, what I tell people is that you know don't don't look at it as like seeking success but rather become a person of value um, I think all too many times people say like like for instance I remember I reached out to an old KPMG friend and I was just kind of catching up with him telling him what i was doing and i'm like you know trying to quit and if he needs help or wants to do this because he's because he mentioned to me like he wants to look for something that um is much more relaxed on time so i said okay well you want more time then real estate will afford you that time it'll buy you the time that you'll need so he responded back to me and he said looks like you found success i was like found i was like i didn't find it I just changed, <laughs> and so um, I think that's just a mistake. It's like this guy is just—you know—you think he's maybe like thirty years old, but you're just getting into this unconscious path of nothingness. And, and for him to say that, it—it it, really—it's um, it, it, a tragedy itself because I could kind of see, the, I guess, the, the path that he may go if, if, if not guided correctly. So, uh, but rather, um, in order to become successful, seek to become a person of value. And that's where everything started to click for me. And, and, and the more that you are able to help people, the more that you will be able to earn yourself. So that was the key. And I said, well, how am I going to help more people? And I said, well, if I, if I own 10 properties, then therefore I'm helping 10 families. And if I'm helping 10 families, therefore I'm earning more. So I was like, oh, okay, I got it. Just buy more properties. Service to the many is the key to wealth. And so uh, I heard that all too many times and i reflected on that with like guys like mark zuckerberg and steve jobs and i was like well they are servicing the many people are using iphone and, and uh that that's where things kind of clicked
0: yeah it's also like the surrender of life where by you doing 10 properties 10 families live there and like you talked about earlier where dog future doctors future presidents you know future astronauts could literally like, come from those houses they help create yeah but to your thing about is I think, because I truly believe money should be a byproduct of what you do, but in the same token, success should be a byproduct of journey, right? Because yes. like once you just aimless, or once you just so tunnel vision to the success, once you're chasing so hard at it, if something happens or if you get setbacks, that's gonna be such a defeating mindset to have, because like, oh, I'm, I've am i been busting my, my ass for years just to chase this whatever success may be. And if you fail uh, setbacks, or you get pushback, it's it's hard it's gonna be very hard on you mentally but once you view that success as like a byproduct of the journey you're not chasing the journey like you're literally journey in the midst of
2: it right yeah yeah so. and, and and to be successful i mean sometimes the, some of the questions that i ask myself is like well what does the ideal day look like what like one of those days where you're like you go to bed at night and you're like shit i got so much done i killed it i destroyed it from my nine to five i got all my shit done and then after that from from 5.30 to, to, to 9 p.m., uh, I got all my real estate stuff done as well. I'm just super productive. I'm, I'm hammering things out. Things are moving along, and I can't wait for the next day. Like, to have those days every single day, if you can have that powerful of a day every single day for 300, I mean, I'm not going 365 days out of the year. I mean, you can, you know, guys like Dan Pena. I don't know if you know him or not, but he goes to the extreme. But to, to, to have those, as many of those, days as possible is what's going to eventually create and shape and mold that future.
1: I think the more you have them, the more regularly they come. I mean, there is obviously a delicate balance of applying your full self to the workday ahead, but recovery is important. You need to rest at some point because if you try and stretch too far, then you get knocked down four pegs. You know, like the rest and recovery allows you to perform at your best, but the more you perform at your best day after day, say it goes three days or to your point, exactly that. Three days, five, and then five to nine, you just knock it out of the park. Do that for a year, then you scale up to four, then you scale up to five, just how you're scaling the business. But there's that like progression. Like if I just went balls to the wall from Saturday to Saturday, four weeks in a row, I'd come out on the other side gasping for air. you know. But it's that progression of becoming a greater person as you go then eventually you can take on more and more so does that have you had that experience like the day-to-day of real estate easier like or even the day-to-day of the nine-to-five like the more experience under your belt you can kind of perform higher and higher as you get making you basically make a habit out of success
2: yeah and, and, and 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 throughout the real estate career i mean the level of intensity will fluctuate that's important to to remember like i could tell you all the horror stories or the rough times and the challenges and people kind of take that perception on and think like oh it's going to stay constant at that rate no not necessarily i'll have a week where i'm like hammering tooth and nails of of making sure that the contract that gets there to making sure that's done correctly to then making sure all right well uh let me go set up this uh lease signing contract date with this tenant to that making sure that the insurance company uh, reinstates my policy. There's just so much going on. On top of that, this is outside the 9 5 in the family. So,
1: you have just mentioned struggles and challenges. What struggles or challenges have you had recently or are faced with currently?
2: Yeah, uh, so right now I'm in the process of extracting equity out of my current rental properties. So, if anybody's not familiar with equity, equity is simply the ownership of. Uh, Piece that you have within the property. So if a property is $100,000 and you're making a 20% down payment on the property to acquire the building, you're technically a 20% owner of that building. So, And also the equity can increase as a result of property value appreciation. So the property value increases, your equity will correspondingly increase as well. So at any rate, I have equity in these rental properties that I'm now in the process of extracting and there's multiple ways to do it. You can get a home equity loan or home equity line of credit or I think this cash out refinance, which I think is somewhat the same as a home equity loan, but I won't get into all those details, but a home equity loan, it essentially acts or operates as a second mortgage. The lender will give you the money up front and then charge you next month right away as if it is a mortgage. Uh, whereas with a home equity line of credits, revolving in its nature, just like a credit card, you can use it and then pay it down. So I like the flexibility of that and I will only get charged as I go with it. So If they gave me a home equity line of credit for $50,000, I can then sit on it for three months or six months until I use it and then I'll get charged. So what I'm trying to do here is um, extract equity from these properties to then use as a down payment towards the purchase of another property. However, there was some hurdles in the process. There's a credit union that I'm using and uh, they're doing drive by appraisals, right? So I have two properties in the Temple University area where both of them are five-bedroom homes. One is a two-bed bathroom, the other one's a a one-and-a-half bath. So you're talking about a five-bed, two-bathroom home, and a five-bed, one-and-a-half bathroom home, literally one block apart from each other. So long story short, they did a drive-by appraisal on both properties. It was free. Um, They said one property, the five-bed, one-and-a-half bath, was actually a four-bed, one-bath, Uh, The reason why they said that's because since it's a drive by appraisal, they only can rely on city records or whatever is out there. So city records are not up to date unless I go update it, but no homeowner would uh, go to the city and say, hey, please update my home and increase my property taxes and therefore pay more property taxes per year. But unless you're an investor, you might do that. But no homeowner occupant would willfully go to the city to, to announce that. On the flip side, with the property that was a five-bed, two-bath, they came back and said, you don't have any equity in this, and I reviewed the uh, appraiser report, and they're saying it's a three-bed, one-bath. So, okay, I get it. They're comparing a five-bed, two-bath to other three-bed, one-bathroom homes, which therefore gives it a lower property value, appraised value, so what the value of the home is worth. So I thought to myself, all right, if they're going to pre-approve me for the one house that they said was a four bed, one bath at $18,000, they're giving me a line of credit for $18,000, well, if I pay for the full appraisal on the house that is a five bed, two bath, which they're really saying is a three bed, one bath, there's a pretty strong chance I could get some money out of this, but long story short, uh, I decided to proceed with the full appraisal on that property, and uh, I said, well, if the house down the street is being praised for one twenty-eight, well, this house has to at least be praised for that much too, so... I think I could get some equity in this house, so I took on the risk. I said, you know, it's a three hundred dollar risk. There's a level of uncertainty, and keep in mind, like even when I made this decision, I always thought back to like my gambling days. I was like, well, I'm gambling thousands of dollars. What's three hundred bucks to potentially get thousands of dollars from this credit union? So I paid for the appraisal fee, and um, I had the appraisal. I think like last Friday, and um, the following Tuesday, they came back to me. I'm in the bathroom, and I see my email come up, and um, it says, sorry, you don't have any equity in the property. At first, my mind was like, shit, motherfucker. Like, all right. So then, you know, I'm out the bathroom, and then I go open up the email, and I and I read, okay. it's She just simply said, I don't have any equity in this property. And, and I thought to myself, well, can you send me the appraisal report? So I emailed her that, and she sent me the appraisal report back, and then I did the math, and um, I looked at the numbers. It says opinion of value $120,000. So if the loan to value ratio is 80%. Uh, you take 80%, you multiply by $120,000, which gives you $96,000. That is the amount that I can borrow less than the mortgage balance that I have on it. And my mortgage balance on that property was $80,000. So therefore, 96000 80000 equals 16000 I said, I think I have equity in this house. So I emailed the lady at the Member Services directly, not not the home equity department, and the lady at Member Services, I I called her up and she's like, yeah, I'm so sorry, you know, I thought you were gonna get it, but you know, it didn't work out. So I I told her, no, look look at the second page of the report. It says opinion value hundred twenty thousand. You said it was eighty percent loan to value ratio. I'm doing my math. You do the math with me and tell me if I'm right she does the math and she recalculates herself and she's like, yeah, you do have equity in this property. I don't know what they're talking about. Let me go email them. I'm fired up. I'm, I'm, so she's like, you know, kind of working for me on my behalf. And so she emails them. It's like, you know, can you please provide to with the explanation of why they told me what they told me that I have zero. So about half hour, 45 minutes goes by. The lady that was shooting that email to the home equity department called me up and asked me, "Is like, did they contact me or email me? I said, No and she said, Well, they put sixteen thousand dollars back on your loan I was like, really? I was like, Okay, that's perfect. So and so now look at that story and reflecting on it, I realized like, man, anybody who is naive and not diligent enough to go to the extent of, of asking for the full appraisal and then doing the recalculation by themselves, you know, they're leaving sixteen grand on the table. So I could have easily just accepted the feat, but I think part of my inherent behaviour is to be relentless be relentless in everything that i that you do and th- and that's what's going to keep you going because I, just looking around me every, everywhere that i go there's a lot of people that gives up easily in life whatever it is it's just always smoking bitching complaining about everything and i think as long as you just have that mindset of, of just keeping your head up and keep on moving and having that relentless behavior and attitude you're going to be unstoppable untouchable that's exactly uh, what i did here so uh, i mean those are the challenges being relentless um not taking no for an answer
1: and the immersion process too like so i think it's not only the relentless behavior but immersing yourself to begin the relentless behavior
2: yeah and it's the experience that becomes the greatest teacher um and and just having your back up against the wall and knowing that you know coming from the inner city and being very I not want to say I'm very prideful and have a big ego, but I guess some inner city folks has that pride and ego that they don't want the to... grit. Yeah, the grit. They don't want to lose. They don't want to fail. They're not going to accept no for an answer. So uh, that was just part of my inherent natural personality to just not take no. Like, you're not just going to come in and tell me how I had my vision uh, and try to impose your vision into my world. I'm going to counter that with my own vision. So I refuse to let him be the impediment to my goal my vision at the end of the day so it's really a matter of whose energy is stronger whose thoughts are stronger and then taking the action to then manifest that Um, because i think that's going to be very vital and very crucial and the ones that succeed in this world i think is just really whose thoughts are most powerful whose energy is emanating from them and, and 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 actually being put out into this world you've so for the past 29 years you've
0: experienced a lot of encompassing experiences from as an immigrant child growing up in a lower socioeconomic uh, ha- household to getting a prestige job at a big four accounting firm to owning now properties. And so you went from like, corporate America to entrepreneurship to investor and now becoming a father. And you've accomplished a lot in the past 29 years. So w- what's next for you?
2: The, for me is that I'm still trying to f- fulfill my goal of getting my next property by the end of this year. And then for next year, my goal is to get you know uh, i think at least three more properties i want to make sure i pace myself accordingly but then down the line it's just also to uh, become a much, much larger impact to the world on multiple levels not just in the real estate world but you know particularly in the real estate world i wanted to have the impact of you know going into development um acquiring multi-million dollar buildings but at the same time also have the lifestyle that i've always wanted i want to now once i have that freedom of time i want to have you know, I mean, I can still have it now, but with the freedom of time, I can then focus on my health. I wanted to create a morning routine of maybe, I don't know, 5 o'clock every morning. I work out, and then I meditate, and I get some food, whatever it is. And then you know, I'm just uh, enjoying time with my family, and then maybe at night I go to a Sixers game. Now, because I could, because I realized, well, life has now rewarded me with all of these good things because it has seen me put all the good things out there in the world. So it's a, I think Aiden mentioned it to me in times past, Law of Reciprocity, or... Is that the case? Yeah. What you give
1: out comes back. Yeah.
2: Say that one more time. What's it called?
1: What, the law of reciprocity. So, what you put out into this world generally comes back to you in equal amounts of energy.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. In order to receive, you gotta give. So, this is, right now, this is just a huge giving process. Being able to um, influence, motivate, and inspire people—that's uh, something that I wanted to do at the next level to kind of create that impact. So, you know, before I leave and die on this planet what kind of imprint, what kind of impact am I putting out there? Uh, Will people feel my energy, my presence that that I've created from the gate? And I want that to happen for generations and after. Uh, Not just for this generation, but for as long as as I possibly can.
1: Absolutely. Um, I do want to take a minute and definitely acknowledge you two because at first glance, being in real estate might seem like a very money-focused kind of career, but after talking to you even from minute five i think someone will really recognize where your heart is right you're doing it for a sense of purpose a sense of community and more importantly giving back to serve the people around you so knowing that i think we really just want to take a minute and appreciate what you're doing for philadelphia and kind of the knowledge you're giving around to everybody we're really hoping that that impact is going to continue to spread both on the macro and micro level so thank you for being our first guest on discover more
0: and thanks for and we are extremely excited to see the amount of impact and the footprint that you will soon embark on and soon to leave in philadelphia and possibly beyond
2: no absolutely i'm excited and uh, i wouldn't mind coming back here next time and uh to give the status updates see how everything is going and yeah man i'm just excited hopefully people know me eventually and uh man i just can't wait to get started because it's a It's just going to be a matter of time as the decision's already been made. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify
0: every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Follow us on Instagram at discovermorepodcast. And share this with your friends and everyone that you know. Thanks for listening to another episode of Discover More, where we intend to discover more through intentional dialogues. And we truly appreciate everyone who have made it until the end. Till next Monday.